Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. Well, give the Lord a big hand clap this morning. Glad you're in church. And I got a word hot off the press for you this morning. So get your Bibles out. And if you would go to uh, Mark chapter 10. We're going to start there this morning. Title of this message is Today's the Day. Does everybody say today's the day? Come on, say it like you mean like today's the day. Man, if you're going to go get, pick up your lotto money you'd won and today was the day, you ought to be saying, wow, today's the day, right? I don't want to hear not today's the day. I mean, you know, you, you, the things of God, listen to me. The things of God are just like winning the lotto. Okay, you have nothing and then the next moment you're just completely wealthy. Okay, so the things of God are the same thing. You get a revelation from the word of God today. It'll change your life and set you free. It'll change your course of destiny in life. It'll change your children and change everything in your life when you get a revelation of the Word of God. Amen? What's the truth? Hello? The truth, when you get it into your heart, it, makes every, it changes everything. It doesn't make any difference what the day looks like. you got a sunny day no matter if there's a cloudy sky. Right? Look at the person beside you and say, well, he's already preaching good. <laughs> and I want to read this story to you. Uh, in verse 17, Mark 10, 17, it's a story you know at the rich, rich young ruler. But I want to go into something today and uh, help you. It's, it's, it's kind of building off of what we've been preaching for the last month, but uh, this message can stand alone. It says, now as he was going on the road, one came running and he knelt before him and he asked him, good teacher, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? Now, just stop right there for a second. So this guy, he, he obviously had a conviction about God or had a, had, wanted to be righteous, wanted to live godly. He, 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 right, there was something inside of him to go run to Jesus and then to say, what do I have to do to inherit eternal life? He had a, maybe it was just a thought in his head, but he had some sort of a desire to be a godly person, right? Everybody agree? All right, so then he goes on, and so he says, Jesus says, uh, why do you call me good? No one is good but, but one, that is God. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your father and your mother. And he answered and he said in him, teacher, all these things I have kept from my youth. So here's another statement that he's making. He said, man, I, I've tried to live righteously. I've tried to obey the commandments. I've tried to do everything that's there. I've, I, 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 you know, I, 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 got on the, I got on the treadmill of, of the works of God and I'm doing them. You know, I'm, I'm doing good. And so Jesus says, Jesus, notice how it says here in Mark, then Jesus looking at him, loved him. In other words, he looked at him with eyes of compassion, eyes of, he's like, man, this guy, this guy's got something. He's looking at him with eyes of love, saying, man, this guy, this guy right here is, he, you know, he's got some potential. He can, he, you know, he, he, I, I'm, I'm, I'm showing him everything I'm going to give you. I'm going to, this is, I'm, I'm adding this, okay? This is, this is, I'm adding this, all right? He's saying, he's saying, I'm going to give him the best. 
I love him. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pour it on him. I'm going to give him the, I mean, the keys to the kingdom of heaven. I'm going to throw down the good stuff on him. Right? Because look what he says. He says, he looked at him and loved him, and he said to him, well, man, you almost got it made. You just got one thing you need to do. You're almost there. You almost got the prize. You just need to do one thing. Go your way. Sell whatever you have. Give it to the poor, and you'll have treasure in heaven. And come take up your cross and follow me. But he was sad at his word, and he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. So in other words, when, when the rich young ruler heard the words that Jesus says, he didn't hear him say, I'm going to double you, triple you, quadruple you, multiply you. I'm going to take the resources you have on earth. You're going to give them away, and so you're going to have great treasures in heaven forever. And then come be one of my apostles. Get written in the Bible that people will read for thousands of years. Go, come, I'm going to give you the greatest gift. I'm going to feel heaven. You're going to get to feel heaven today. With all the goodness of heaven, you're going to feel heaven. And then I'm going to make you an apostle. And you're going to end up being, you're going to be a name that's going to be known forever. That's what Jesus gave him. Do you see that? He said, come and follow me, man. He may ask him to be an apostle. But all the man heard was he was going to lose everything. That's what the man heard. The man heard, I'm losing everything. He didn't hear, I'm gaining Riches in heaven and immortality in being an apostle of God. Isn't it funny? I mean, just what was wrong with this kid? I say kid because they say he's a rich young ruler. And now that I'm older, I can call people kid. <laughs> what was wrong with this kid that he, he didn't, he had negative in him. He was looking at the glass half empty. He couldn't see. He didn't hear the words of Jesus, and, and a revelation hit him and said, really? And just start chunking change everywhere, knowing that the words that Jesus said had the power to bring everything to pass as he said it. How many people, how many Christians read their Bibles, hear the words, God so loved the world, but they don't feel loved by God. How many people in the world know and hear? I'm talking Christian folk. I'm not talking heathen. I'm not talking somebody that's never heard the gospel, never been to church, never listened to anything. I'm talking about Christian people that are walking around today. That God is saying the same thing to them. I'll bless you. I'll do all this stuff. But they're walking around downtrodden. They're listening to the devil. They're praising the devil in a sense. By taking on the doubt and unbelief, taking on the lies that he's feeding them, don't believe that they are a son of God, that they are loved, that God is answering their prayers, nothing is happening. They're walking along just like this man, but because of fear, they never enter in to walking in faith. Okay, let me show you another story. Go Old Testament, Genesis chapter 22, story of Abraham and Isaac. See, I believe with all of my heart, I, and and y'all can just say, Robert, you know, they've been telling me I've been crazy ever since the day I got saved. I mean, that's just the truth. Everybody, my friends told me I, I've gone out of my mind. I've gone crazy. I've lost it. 
And so it doesn't bother me, but you got to understand where I am. As a church, I look across y'all beautiful people here this morning, and I really, really, in my heart, do not see us as a little church. I don't see us as a small church in the middle of the, in, uh, the Texas Hill Country where, you know, nobody knows where we are. I, I don't believe we're in the land that time forgot. I believe that we are here. I believe that we are on the precipice as a church. I believe that already as a church, we're doing unbelievable, almighty, great things. I believe that the book of Acts has not been finished writing. I believe that y'all are in the book of Acts. I believe it's real. I believe when we get to heaven, you're going to see the, the, the nation of people that we present to the Lord. I believe we're going to freak everybody out. I believe we're going to blow minds. I believe that we're going to do things that are so unbelievable. People are going to come from all around us to try to figure out, well, how did you bunch of country bumpkins get this done? And I think that's the glory of it is everybody's going to look at us and say, that guy ain't got enough sense to have brought this off. It got to be God. Are you with me? I'm just believing. I'm believing. I, I'm believing that we're on just the precipice of as a church of just doing something that is so outlandish that already in heaven it's being recorded, but it's going to be recorded on earth, too. And people are going to say, what is going on? Why is everything taking place like that in this little place called Utopia? And the reason why is I believe that y'all are the people who have the ability to turn your faith on to not be the rich young ruler, but to be the Abrahams of life, that you have the ability and the capacity to believe God. Because I want to tell you something, folks. You know, unlike, unlike some uh, presidential candidates who think farmers are stupid, <laughs> it takes a lot of faith to go put you some seed in the ground and trust that you're going to get the right amount of rain, that it's going to, you know, not hell, not, not going to do everything is to end you in financial ruin. Come on. You go down there to the feed store, you spend your good money and you buy the seed and you put it in the ground. That's how stupid it is that you're just going to say, oh, it's just all going to work out. No, there's a lot that goes into that. Idiots. <laughs> Nothing make me matter when I heard that. I was like, man, get a stick. There's a lot to faith in farming. You don't go to the auction ring, sit up there and buy cattle. You're not up there saying, hey, whoa, 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 whoa. you know, buying your cows, buying your sheep, buying your whatever, and then just don't have any faith that you're going to be able to keep them alive, that it's going to rain, you're going to have grass. Folks, those are the simple principles of faith. Why did Jesus choose a bunch of fishermen? I'll tell you why, because uh, God knows country people got more sense than everybody else. <laughs> and so he knew that we could have some faith and that we could be the people that would, would be able to challenge the norm of the world because we're not just going to say, oh, well, you know, it's only the high elite educated ones that are going to give that. No, no, no. It's faith, folks. And you guys operate in faith all the time. You operate in faith. You move out here in the middle of the sticks. You move out here where there's not just jobs on every corner. You move out here, believe in God. And I want to tell you something that is called faith. So I believe the basis of what we have is already there. But I believe we've got to get it tapped into a revelation so that when we hear the words of Jesus coming to us through the word. That then it, our faith ignites and we're like, OK, if you said it, Lord, it'll happen. You said it, Jesus. OK, all right, I'll have riches in heaven and. 
I'll come follow you. Because you'll know in your heart you heard the words from heaven. See, all we got to do is get our, voice, our, our ears trained to the voice of God. To the voice that our faith ignites when we hear his voice and we say, yes. It doesn't make any sense. doesn't make any sense at all to me. That God has to call upon us to buy this land over in Kenya and get these kids fed. All right? But you know what? I don't believe it's like he tried everybody else and said, well, let's talk to Robert and see if he can do something. <laughs> okay? I believe we were first choice because God wants to bless us. God wants to use us as something unbelievable. I've already had people, literally, people have been calling, not calling, uh, but, but in conversations through other people, been roundabout ways in this last year, some what happened in Guatemala and what got done there, Robert, they've been saying, what, what has happened? What, what has happened with Living Waters Church? How could Living Waters Church be doing this? Because, see, the natural says, oh, there's not enough people. The natural says, oh, you're not in the right place. The natural says you're not in the right location. The natural says, you know, you're not, you're not, you, you don't have enough resources. But we don't need resources. We need Jesus. Amen. We need the word that he speaks. And then walk in it and then watch what happens. Hello? So... Abraham was this kind of man, all right? Abraham in Genesis 22, 1 is where I'm at, but I didn't already tell you that. It says, now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham. Now, right here, people get this all so messed up. They say, ah, don't serve God because you serve God. on me. He may maybe him test you, you know, you're like, oh, God. It's never like that. And, and he, Abraham, and he said to him, Abraham, <clears throat> he said, yo. I'm here. And then he said, take now your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go into the land of Moriah and offer him as a burnt offering on the mountains of which I shall tell you. <laughs> I mean, you want to hear that word? They said, oh, he's testing. But let's, let's read the full story. Let's get the real picture here. So Abraham rose up early in the morning. He said, let's donkey. He took uh, two of his young men with him, Isaac, his son, and he split the wood for the burnt offering and arose and he went to the place which... God had told him. Now, I'm telling you, Abraham probably was doing some wrestling in his brain while he's going, right? But he's not letting it out. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes. He saw the place afar off. And Abraham said to the young men, stay here with the donkey, and I will load, and I will go yonder and worship, and we will come back. So Abraham took the wood and the burnt offerings, and he laid it on Isaac, his son, and he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and the two of them went together. But Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, uh, Father, I, I see here that you forgot something. I put that in there. <laughs> he said, that, look, uh, here, I, he, he said, you've got fire and you got the wood, but where's the lamb for the burnt offering? So Isaac knew what was supposed to take place at this. And so Isaac's looking around saying, hey, Dad, uh, <clears throat> we forgot the lamb. Kind of the most important ingredient. We forgot it. And Abraham said, my son, God will provide for himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So the two of them went together. They came to the place which, which the Lord, which God had told him. And Abraham built an altar there and he placed the wood in the order. And he bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar. Now, you know, think about this. Isaac's got to have some, some trust here, right? Because he's, he's, daddy's tying him up with a rope. And he still is remembering, we don't have a lamb. We don't have a lamb. We don't have a lamb. It looks like I'm the lamb. <laughs> right? And so they're tying him up, and he's going to put him on there. So Isaac's got to have some faith in this thing, too. 
So it says, uh, and Abraham stretched out his hand. He took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called on him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. So he said, here I am. And said, do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him. For now I know that you're, you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. Now remember who Isaac was. Isaac was a son of promise, right? He was a son born in his old age. He was the one that God had given him. He knew God gave him Isaac. Then Abraham lifted up his eyes and he looked, and there behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by its horns. Figures. If you've been around sheep, that disfigures. <laughs> so Abraham went and he took the ram and offered it as a burnt offering instead of his son. And Abraham called the name of the place the Lord will provide, as it is said to this day on, on, on the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. That's where Abraham came up with our new God is Jehovah Jireh, the God who will supply all of his needs. Amen. Now, you, you read this story and say, okay, well, that's a strange story. I hope God ever asked me to do anything like that. I don't know if I... Go to Hebrews eleven, seventeen. 17. Hebrews eleven, seventeen. 17. The writer of Hebrews <clears throat> is given an explanation to this whole story. It says, by faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said, In Isaac your seed shall be called. Concluding, understanding, having faith in that God was able to raise him up even, if, even from the dead, from which he also received him in a figurative sense. So what the writer of Hebrews is saying here is that Abraham already knew what the promise was. He had already heard God and God had given him a promise. He would given him a promise that he was going to have a son. The son was Isaac and Isaac was going to be the, his son and the heir and, the, and, 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 and carry on the lineage, right? So then he's calculating. He said, wait a minute, God doesn't fail in his word. Romans 4 tells us, he says, man, if God promised it, he'll provide it, right? So Abraham is, the whole time he's riding his donkey out there, Going to the sacrifice, knowing what he's saying, he's thinking to himself, well, look, it's, it doesn't really make sense to me. I don't know why, but I guess if I kill Isaac, he's going to raise him from the dead in front of me because he said Isaac is going to be the answer that's going to carry on. So Isaac has to live. Isaac can't die. So what's he operating on? Revelational faith, right? He already had heard God say it, so he knew it had to happen. Oh, how quickly we hear God say something, how quickly we read what his promise is, and the devil tells us something else. And we just say, oh, really? What now? But I thought God said this. Hello. Look at the person beside you and say, I think he's talking about you. <laughs> no, don't do that. Get in a fight here in church. I had marital counseling after church. Are y'all with me here? Can I have an amen? amen? What I'm trying to say to us this morning is the fire that's burning on the inside of me today is that, folks, we got to listen. We got to be able to know what God said. And when the enemy comes up with anything that's not it, they say, shut up. Who are you talking to? Just shut up. Hey, listen to you. God already promised me. He's Jehovah Jireh, the guy that will provide. He already promised me this. If God promised you he's going to prosper you, then how can the enemy tell you you're going to fail? Well, I don't know. He just does. Well, 
He's got it all set up. It looks like it's going to happen. Noah looked like a fool building a boat until it rained. And then everybody said, what is this? Then the rivers began to rise and everybody said, oh, we got a problem. Then they went over there, tapped on the boat. Can we come in? Y'all follow me? How quickly we are to forsake our God whom we believe in. Now, we'll trust him for salvation. If we die, we'll go to heaven. I, I just find that really funny that people will go to a church, get saved, get baptized, and then believe God. Will, when they die, they'll go to heaven. When they've never seen it, never don't know, none of us have ever seen heaven. We've, it's all... Takes no more faith to believe you're going to heaven than to believe God's going to provide for you, or God's going to heal you, or God's going to bless you, or God's going to uh, prepare the way before you. Are y'all with me? But you'll say, "Oh no, when I die, I'm going to heaven." Faith and assurance—it's the same faith and assurance for God to provide everything that He said He would provide. But it's because, excuse me, for saying this, but it's just because a bunch of sorry preachers over the generations have preached bad doctrine. That got people off to saying, well, you know, that was, yeah, you're going to get to heaven, but God ain't going to do nothing else with you on earth. You're just going to suffer through. And so bad teaching has gone into people and they don't understand what the word says. But I'm just saying, let's just read the word. Let's just read the word. There's just, there's enough good word in here to out overdo all bad if we would just grab it and hold on to it. But it's so easy for the enemy to come over there and just kick us and and, and get us off track and get us to thinking, oh, God's not going to provide. And what I'm doing today is I'm encouraging you and I'm prodding you and I'm pushing you and I'm telling you, wait a minute, we got to get hold of this thing, folks. We got to get on top and jump off the precipice into the arms of the Lord and watch what he'll do for us. Amen. We got to be like Abraham and say, man, if God has to raise him from the dead, raise him from the dead, it doesn't make any difference. God already gave me a promise. I'm blessed. All this week. Now, this month, you've been using the confession. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made, one of a kind. I hope you've been using it. Hope you've been speaking it out, that you're fearfully and wonderfully made. You're one of a kind, uniquely designed for a purpose that only you can fulfill. Folks, listen to me. If you believe that, that's taken right from the word. You make that confession and you believe it, then what can, you know, yes, there'll be tribulation. Yes, you're not going to go. We're never going to get into a place that there's no obstacles. But you can't be called an overcomer if you don't overcome something. Hello? See, what gets me, and I, I don't, I'm not trying to talk politics here, I'm just talking ignorance. The whole lot is ignorant because none of them have ever worked. Man, that's the truth. This is the truth. I don't care who's saying, write me a dirty letter, don't make me no difference. I'm just telling you, I'm not, I'm not trying to get Republican or Democrat. They're all stupid. Because they never worked. Man, let them go out there and work a $10 an hour job and try to support your family and live on there and, and, and put food on the table. And then somebody gets sick and everything you've got, you know, is gone. And then you're trying to do it. Man, I tell you what, I would have never made it. I'd have never made it in life. My wife and I, we'd have never made it in life because at the point when we got married and got, got going right before we got saved and everything, we were broke, man. We were broke, broke, broke. We didn't have, I mean, we digging money out from under the, 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 the couch. Trying to just stay alive. And, and my father-in-law owned a tire shop. And I remember him calling me, hey, I got a, I got a, I got a tire in here today. And I said, oh, glory to God, I'm going there. Because I was running four baldies, you know. And uh, 
Somebody would come in there and, and, and get a new tire, and the old tire wasn't too bad. He'd put it over the side for me, and I put them. I never had a set of tires that were all the same for like 10 years, okay? Because he just had it batteries, whatever. Anybody just changing tires. And I remember one day he called me and said, man, Robert, come on quick. I hit the jackpot today. I said, what? He said, I got to come in and put in all the whole set of tires. And he said, These, you got four matching. And I said, glory to God, man, put them on my truck, man. I was like, woo, man, I have arrived. I got four matching tires. So I want to tell you something, you know, I know what it's like to be broke. I know what it's like to be poor. I know what it's like to not have anything. I, one time my windshield wiper went out. They got a commercial about it now. I said, I should have gotten dibs off that commercial. Probably heard it on the water hole. But I, my motor went out of my windshield wiper. In my old truck I had. And so there was no way to, I could figure to make it work. So I took a piece of baling twine, tied it on there, and run it around through the windows and left the windows car down. I'd go down the road like this. Everybody waving at me. That's friendly, old boy. And I'm just down the road like this, wiping my windows, you know. Had to get to work. Had to make my $7 an hour. But I'm telling you, we, 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 I'm alive and I'm still going. Because I began to learn faith and I began to learn what God would do. I remember the very first time in life that I was, man, I, we got hit with a, with a bill that I wasn't expecting. It was $200. I'll never forget. It was $200. It might as well have been $200,000 because there was no way I was going to get that $200. $200 just seemed like it was just the biggest, hugest amount. And we got hit with $200. I'll never forget. I opened up the letter. At first, I boasted. I said, ah, oh, it doesn't make any difference, sweetie. God will take care of whatever. I opened up $200. I said, $200, $200. Oh, my God, we ain't going to get $200. I just fell apart. <laughs> fell apart. What an ounce of faith in me. Went outside. I uh, started praying. I said, oh, God, God, you got to help me. got to have $200. Oh, Lord. I mean, I, we can't make it. Oh, God, I got to have $200. And the phone rang. And a guy called me, and, and he said, listen, I, I got uh, I overbooked with hunters, and I was wondering if you'd want to guide a hunter this 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 week and i said uh, i said well yeah uh, he, i said does it pay he said yeah i said what does it pay he said two hundred dollars <laughs> and i'll never forget i was just like got off the phone i was dancing i was doing the holy ghost dance look at my guy my guy provided because see that's how faith grows i learned but i couldn't have learned if i wouldn't have had something to overcome hello that's how it works you're not, you should not be shocked if you've got a problem to overcome. That shouldn't shock you. Because we live in a fallen world. What we have to do is not say, oh God, because we thought it was going to be just an easy street. We should look at it and say, oh, you want me to kill my son? Okay, I'll kill my son. You're raise him from the dead because I already have your promise in me. I already have the promise in me. Because you have been taking the seed of the word of God, planting it in your heart, confessing it out of your mouth, working the muscle of your faith heart to grow and produce faith. So that when the obstacle comes, you look at it and say, oh, we'll get over this. And too many Christians are just unstable. Because they don't have any faith. They've not done what I've taught you all this last month in growing the word of God and faith in your heart so that you're producing seed. Listen to me, folks, if you just think, Listen to me. How many of y'all have ever just gone to bed one night and you woke up the next morning and you were healthy? In shape. Has that ever happened to anybody? No. The only way you got in shape is you put a lot of sweat into it 
to get there. Well, you're not just going to go to bed and one morning just wake up and just. Oh. I mean, we all want the easy street. All of us, myself included. I want the pill. You just get instantly in shape and you just take it. The next morning you wake up. 19 inch guns is hanging off of you. You know, you buy the pill of what size you want. Pop that pill to wake up in the morning. I want 19. So let's go to 20. Just give me the 20. I want a 20. Well, that one's going to be. I'd do it. I'd do it in a second. Because I don't want it to work and sweat to get there. Eat right and all that nasty stuff. Are y'all with me? Well, then Christians are doing the same thing with faith. They're taking the word of God, which is their exercise program, but we're not using it. We're not making our confessions. We're not getting up in the morning and declaring the good hand of God is upon me. It's like, oh, God, it's Monday. We don't want to be overcomers. We just want to be conquerors, but we don't really want anything to conquer. We just want to walk easy. Well, what that does is make soft Christians. And what I'm saying to you today is Abraham was a man who knew the promise of God, had it in his heart. He wasn't like the rich young ruler who heard the words of Jesus and then freaked out and said, I can't do it. Let fear overcome him. He stood up and said, no, God has promised me this. This is what God said, and, and I, I can do this because this is what God has said. Okay, go to Hebrews chapter 2. Just so you don't think I'm just preaching out of Reader's Digest or something. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1. Therefore, we must give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard, lest we drift away. Huh. Huh. Isn't that what I just said? For if the word spoken through angels proves steadfast and every transgression and every disobedience received a just reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation, which at the first first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed to us by those who heard him? He's saying this word that you're hearing. Now, this is the writer of Hebrews saying to the people the word that they preach to them, and we're reading it. We got a better advantage. We can go and look up Hebrews chapter 2. Right? He said, You guys, what why are you already already drifting away? You heard the word. Stay in Hebrews, go to chapter 4. Hebrews 4 1. Therefore, since a promise remains of entering his rest, let us fear lest any of you seem to have come short of it. So He's saying the only thing that you need to be fearing in life is coming short of believing what God has for you. I've always said this as a pastor, as a, as a Christian, as a pastor, I've always said I would rather myself have believed God for more things than he was going to provide for than not believing him for what he had provided for. I'd rather get to heaven and Jesus said, Robert, you crazy fool, I was never going to do any of that. You got your church all whooped up and fired up and doing all this kind of stuff, but I wasn't going to do that. I said, well, I just believed you bigger than you said you would. <laughs> but that ain't going to happen. That's not going to happen. See, we stereotype and we put things into our mind that things have to go off like, like we've seen. So church has to be like a certain way and 
and praying for people has to be a certain way and, and miracles has to be a certain way. And we, we just read back in history and we say, this, but I'm telling you folks, I'm believing for something totally outlandish and crazy. I'm believing something off the, off the wall. I'm believing something that ain't never happened before. I'm believing for people just to drive up on the church grounds and get healed in their truck before they ever get to the end of the building. I'm believing all the way back to Moses. You know, like when they say, take off your shoes for this is holy ground. You just get on holy ground and you just get healed. You get prospered. Somebody work a million dollar deal walking right into church before they ever get in here, ever get in the building. See, I don't know what y'all are believing for when you're coming to church on Sunday, but I'm believing for miracles. Not just in y'all, but in me too. I'm believing for everything. Even if it's find a quarter on the floor when I'm leaving. Bless God, I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm going up. I'm going down. I am the head, not the tail. I'm above and not beneath. Not because I'm somebody special, but because my Jesus is just really awesome. And the last time I checked, it said, Romans 8, that I'm a joint heir with him. And he's already blessed and prosperous and going and blowing. And, and he is, whoo, I got a great brother and a great father. Hello? So he says here, we better have some fear in us that we're not accomplishing what God wants to for us. Okay? For indeed, the gospel is preached to us as well as to them. But the word which they heard did not profit them not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. So the word that they heard had the ability to bring the blessing, but they didn't mix faith with it, so therefore they got nothing. So do you see, you can read the Bible, but if you don't read the Bible in faith, you're not going to ever see it work. Do you see that? The word was preached to them, but they didn't mix any faith with it, so you didn't get anything. So when someone says, well, I've never seen God do anything, it's because they've never been in faith. Here, here it's so simple, folks. It's just so simple. There's two camps. You either I'll believe it when I see it, which is never going to see it because they're not believing that they're going to see anything till they see it. So therefore, they're not in faith. You follow me? Or you're in the camp that you're going to believe blindly that what God said is true. I never forget God bless him, man. I love my father. My father was a, was, a, was a great man who taught me right and wrong and taught me uh, how to be a man and taught me honesty and integrity. And I, 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 I was a great, he was a great man. But he never taught me the word of God. He was, he was of the old school where that's all private and all this. And we never had Bible discussions, never talked, talked to anything about the word of God. And I never forget when I got saved and I started uh, being totally and completely radical. I mean, my father came to me and he, you know, we had some discussions and, and he said, well, Robert, you know, he said, the Bible says those, that God will help those who help themselves. And so I, I said, Daddy, I respect you. I love you with all of my heart. But I just got to tell you, that's not in the Bible. Well, he believed it was in the Bible because somebody told him it was in the Bible. Right? And I said, Daddy, that's a quote from Benjamin Franklin. The fat guy that flew a kite in a lightning storm. So how smart could he be? But he was believing a non-truth because somebody told him, and he didn't check it out. But then after my encounter with him, he had to come to the truth and, and see this is, what, this is what the Bible says. Because the Bible says if you're going to believe God and take him at his word, you're going to see things happen. But if you don't, 
then you're not because faith is never mixed with the word. The key ingredient to seeing miracles or seeing God moving in your life, anything in your life, is faith. I said this in the more, so I just said it right out of my mouth and then seeing miracles. Listen, it shouldn't even be called miracles. It should be called daily Christian living. Because God said he's going to provide for you. God's going to do that. When you see it, you shouldn't, have, you shouldn't say, well, that's a miracle. No, you should just say, well, thank you, Lord. You did exactly what you're supposed to. Oh, oh, Bobo over here, he didn't get it because he didn't mix no faith with it. Y'all with me? It ain't, he is stupid. But you mix faith with it. And so you didn't really see a miracle. You just saw what should be happening in a Christian's life. Blessings. God moving. The supernatural changing. Your kids just smarter. Your kids are blessed. You're blessed. Everywhere you go, you're blessed. You get the best parking spot. Say what? Listen, folks, you got to start believing for something. You got to start to see signs. You won't see something. Start believing, God, you get a good parking spot. Unless you're like me, who prefer to park in the farthest place away from everybody so that nobody will dip my truck. You say, well, don't you believe God for nobody dent your truck up the close place? That's what my wife would say. And I just say, get behind me, Satan. I'm parking over here. But look at this. For indeed the gospel is preached to us, I'm back in four, uh, Hebrews 4. For indeed the gospel is preached to us as well as to them, but the word that they heard didn't mix, did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. For we, have, we who have believed do enter that rest. I don't know about you folks, but I like peace and I like rest. I got, I got so excited this week because I read an article that said people that take a nap live longer. I said, come on now, we're talking. Bless the Lord. It's such an old man thing, but bless God, I like it. I, I want to be in rest. I don't want to be in war. I don't want to be in war. I want to be in rest. Well, Hebrews is telling us here, you can be in rest when you start operating in faith because you're resting in what Jesus promised and he's big enough to perform what he said, what he promised. Are you following me? Okay, let me read on a little bit more. For we have believed to enter that rest, as he said, so I swore in my mouth, they shall not enter my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. Huh, the works were already finished from the foundation of the world. In other words, God put a plan in place at the formation of the world. It's not like he was waiting to bring something about. He already put it in place at the foundation of the world. All right. For he had spoken in a certain place that seven, the seventh day is this way, and God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again, in, in this place, they shall not enter my rest, since therefore it remains that some must enter in, and those to whom it was first preached did not enter in because of disobedience against his designated 
and designated a certain day saying to, in David, today, everybody say today. After such a long time as it has been said, today, if you will hear his voice and do not harden your hearts. So faith begins today. It's not yesterday and it's not tomorrow. It's today. Your faith begins when you enter in today. And as soon as you enter in today, rest comes in your life. The cease from striving for you to have to make it happen on your own. So let me back up for just a second. What was already set about at the foundations of the earth? Let's go find out. Go to Genesis chapter 1. Let's go look at when the foundations were laid. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. <clears throat> Genesis 1, 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on earth. So God created man in his own image. The image of God, he created him, male and female. He created them. Then God blessed them, and he said to them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over every living thing that moves on the earth. What God set in place in Genesis chapter 1 is you to have dominion. Actually, in the King James, it says, and over everything that creeps on the earth, you got dominion over all the creeps. <laughs> They're creepy, you got dominion over them. The thing that God set in place is man was in charge. You have dominion. He set you up. Now just think about this. Let me back up. Let's back up just a little bit. It said there in Hebrews 2 that God isn't going to put the world to come in subjection to angels. Well, let me read it to you. Go to Hebrews 2, 5. <clears throat> I'm getting close to the end. Y'all just hang on. Hebrews 2, 5. For he has not put the world to come of which we speak in subjection to angels. He's saying, he's saying the world and the way the world works, angels are not going to have dominion over man. Man is going to have dominion over angels. Now you think about this for a minute. One angel killed 185,000 Assyrians in a night. We got angels like Gabriel and Michael who come from the very throne of God and deliver messages. We got Michael who's a warring angel who, who fights the demonic forces on this earth. We've got these things written in the Bible, all the places about the power of angels and what they're doing. But he's saying when it comes down to it, when the world is over that we know now and the new creation, the news all starts, angels are still going to be subject to you. Man, that's a lot of stock in man. Because to me, like Michael, uh, <clears throat> hey, Michael, <laughs> he might just swat me with that big sword, right? But they're in subjection to you. Why? Because God gave you dominion in the very beginning. Mankind dominion. Sometimes I look at the stupid things people do, and I just think, oh, God, you've got to just weep in heaven at the ignorance of your creation. 
and they're going to be in charge of anything? Are y'all with me? Folks, listen to me. God put great, puts great stock in you because you have something that angels don't have. Hear this. Angels have obedience. Angels cannot produce faith. Angels do what they're told. You have a choice. You have this free will, and that free will of yours gives you the ability to choose to believe God or not. And God says that is, if you'll let me use this word, I don't really like it, but it's just to help explain it, the magic ingredient that makes my word work. It's called faith. Angels are just simply servants and obedient to God. Oh, so wait a minute. If angels, if angels have to are just obedient to God, then and we're going to be in subject over them, then why are we listening to the devil who's nothing but a fallen angel? He's an idiot who couldn't even think straight and came against God. And Jesus said, I saw you fall from heaven like light. And that means that punch was so fast. <laughs> Knocked him right out of his boots down to earth. He's subject to you. But not if he's got you convinced otherwise. How many of you have ever had this little nagging something going on in your head, you know, like something that's bothering you? Whatever, you got in a fight with your friend, you're mad at your spouse, something going on, a little nagging, you know, it just keeps talking in your ear. Do y'all have any of those? Anybody ever had any of those earworm things going off inside your head, you know? Hello? Am I right? Anybody? And it's just going off. Have you ever noticed how when, when truth or uh, healing comes to that place that it, the voice is no more? Wow, isn't that amazing that that little voice was subject to you? Since I have been teaching all this, because see, I really believe that <clears throat> I'm just a donkey who brays, and everything I preach to you is for me, and I'm just sharing it with y'all. This, this is the way I approach my messages. It's for me. I, I'm not like, I, I'm learning, I'm growing in this myself. Hello? And I have become, through this whole last month, so quick to notice the voice of the enemy. I have noticed so quick that when, if, if I get irritated with something and something's going off on me and, I'm, and I hear my little self yakking, I'm like, oh, wait a minute. Uh, why am I listening to you? You're irritating me. Shut up. It's just like it's become, my ears have just become so sensitive to when I hear that, yak. And I'm like, I'm not, I don't, I don't want to listen. I'm not listening to you. It's not what's going to happen. I'm, I, what? Shut up. It's not what the word says. The word says this. And I want to tell you something. I've been so at peace this last month, just knowing that, wow, this is, this is pretty cool. I don't have to listen to you. Because before, I always, it was going on and I was listening as I was trudging through. And so it made it hard. It's like swimming through jello. But now it's like, I just get to walk and do what I'm, I'm called to do. People say, oh, uh, uh, oh, uh. and I was like, hey, whatever, man, it's going to be okay. 
It's going to be all right. God's going to take care of everything. He's promised me in his word. I'm not going down. I'm going up. I'm the head, not the tail. I'm above and not beneath. God's going to take care of everything. I don't know how, what to do or what it's going to look like. I just know that right now, today, I'm living in today. Because I'm not worried about yesterday, and I can't worry about tomorrow. I just am dealing with today in faith. And it's restful. He goes on here and he says, he, he starts quoting Psalms 8. He says, what is man that you're mindful of him or the son of man that you take care of him? For you've made him a little lower than the angels and you have crowned him with glory and honor and set him over the work of your hands and put all things in subjection under his feet. So I'm looking at it like this. I get excited. So now I sit around and I think, you know what, Lord, this is so cool. This week, we're going to buy that land in Kenya. We're going to transfer the money. It's going to become ours. And right in the middle of a slum of where you wanted to kill children. The devil wants to kill children, excuse me. Where, the, where, where God wants to bless children, but the devil has wanted to kill children. He's wanted to take them in there and give them no hope, no future, no anything. Right in the middle of the center of the muck. We're going to be preaching. We're going to be feeding. We're going to be rescuing. We're going to be taking care of these kids. We're going to be telling them good things. We're going to be blessing them. We're going to be doing all these kinds of things. And they're going to grow up. Man, man, that may be the next Billy Graham right in the middle of that lot. And Lord, we're going to be growing. And so this is what I'm, this is what I'm imagining, you know, and I'm seeing it blossom. And in my mind, I close my mind's eyes because I'm a big dreamer and I can imagine things. And I close my eyes and I see like that little center and that little center growing. Just getting bigger, brighter light, more just rescuing, more just growing out of that whole thing. And all of a sudden, the slum isn't the slum anymore. The slum is where people are going to have to come for miracles to see God moving right in the midst of it. And so I get, I get all excited about this. And so, you know, the enemy says, oh, there's a... I say, shut, shut up. Listen to you. I mean, God can pull anything off. He, he, man, watch, watch, just watch what he's going to do. But folks, if you just give up and you just sit there and you live in yesterday or tomorrow and you don't stand up today in faith, you're going to be overrun. You're going to be overcome. Your mind is going to fill yourself with doubt and unbelief. All the things the devil is just going to play a heyday in you when he's subject to you, you're not subject to him. But if you're going to sit there and let him talk, he, man, he's got a loud mouth. Let me read on. For in all that he put all things in subjection under him, for he left nothing that was not put under him. But now we do not see all things put under him. So we're not walking in heaven yet. But we see Jesus. <laughs> You've got to keep your eyes on Jesus. Romans 12, looking to Jesus, the earth and the finisher of your faith. You have got to be looking at Jesus. And what he did, what he overcame, what he conquered for you. You've got to shut the voice of that enemy up and say, no, today is the day. Today I'm in faith. Today is my day because it's today. I'm living in it. My faith is operating. Devil, shut up. Victory's mine. I'm overcoming. I'm conquering. Let me read something else to you. I've got two more scriptures I'm through. Hebrews 3.12. Hebrews 3.12. It says, Beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief. He actually calls doubt evil. You see that? He calls doubt evil. 
So I don't know about y'all, but I don't want to have an evil heart of unbelief. I want to have a heart full of faith. They say, well, pastor, he's on drugs or something. He's just out there. He's so positive. How can I not be if I just believe in Jesus and believe in his words true? How can I believe that today I'm not going to walk in victory and that when today gets here tomorrow, this is confusing, isn't it? When today gets here tomorrow, I'm going to be walking in faith again. And then three days from now, when today gets here, I'm going to be walking in faith and in his rest. I'm going to stay in today. Am I just really getting confusing? I'm just staying in faith, and faith is today. Faith is now. So I'm staying in today all day long. And then when, it, when tomorrow comes, I'm going to be in today. And then when the next day comes, I'm going to be in today. So I'm just going to keep walking in faith. Because today is the day of salvation. Today is a day of rest. Today is the day that it gets coming to pass. He goes on and says, uh, 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 an evil heart of unbelief departing from the living God, but exhort one another daily what is called today. Exhort one another daily what is called today. So you can call your friend up tomorrow and say, hey, it's today. It's today. Are you believing? Because today is the day. You can do that tomorrow, or you could call them up today and say, today's today. At least any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin, for we have become partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end while it is said today. If you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. All right? Last scripture, 1 John 5, and then we're going to be through. 1 John 5, 4, great scripture. You need to have it memorized. You need to have this growing in your garden of your heart. For whatever is born of God, do you fall in the category of whatever? I mean, whatever is whatever, right? For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world. Our faith. That took place. Today, because it has to be in the now. The victory that overcomes the world is your faith. Your faith, you've got it in you. Angels don't have it. The ability to produce faith, you do. You're a unique, special, specially designed, unique individual created on the face of this earth to produce faith. And if you say right now in your heart, well, I don't know if I believe that. You just exactly proved what I said. It's amazing what faith can do. Amen? Amen. Well, close your Bibles. Stand to your feet, if you would, please. Can I have the prayer team come down? Listen to me. All of you out there listening and watching the broadcast today, I just want to tell you, man, Jesus loves you. He paid a price for you. On the cross. And if you're out there saying, oh, this is, sounds good. Oh, I, I want to I do something. Well, first thing you have to ask yourself is, man, are you right with God? And if you're not right with God, then I want to tell you something. That's where you have to start. You have to get your faith going today. So the Bible says in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, that if you'll confess with your mouth and you'd believe in your heart, if you do something with that faith and take a step and confess with it, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, that you would be saved. 
Folks, we have a prayer team up here. Those of you out there listening and watching, I want to pray with you. But if you're here today and you're not sure, you don't know if everything's right between you and God, you don't feel if the devil... Listen, I, I got one for you here. If the devil has convinced you or been talking to you or yakking to you, and he's just got you questioning your salvation, well, you need to come up and confirm it with one of these people. Just come up and say, listen, I've had it today. I'm making a public confession. I'm praying and believing today for my heart, for me to be right with God. I'm confessing with my mouth. I'm believing in my heart so I can shut the devil up. All right? End of story. Listen to me, folks. The days, the days have gone to be embarrassed. Listen to me. Don't let the devil ever get you to not moving in the things of God or praying with people because you're embarrassed. What's embarrassed? Embarrassed is dying and going to hell. That's embarrassing. When you could have made Jesus the Lord and Savior of your life. So if you're out there listening, watching right there, just confess with your mouth and call out and say, Jesus, just begin to pray and say, come into my life. Forgive me. Forgive me of my sins. Wash me in the blood. Make me yours. And right where you are, he will. He'll touch you. He'll begin to move in your life. And you'll see his hand on your life. Church, listen to me. Take the person's hand beside you, but listen to me. I want to pray over you. I want to pray, I want to pray a prayer that I guarantee can knock the socks off of any doubt and unbelief you can have if you want to. If you don't, and right now you're saying, I wish you would just shut up so I could go to lunch. I'm starving. <laughs> you know, you're not going to get anything because you're not in faith. But if your faith is grabbing hold of this, I'm telling you, God's going to move because I want to pray over you right now. Father, I just pray over all this congregation. I pray still come of those listening and watching. But Father, I just declare on every one of them that has been bound with that yakking voice of doubt and unbelief, that lying, no good, uh, demonic voice that just keeps talking to them and bringing up problems or bringing up situations or hurting them or, or, or stopping them. I declare right now in Jesus' name that that yoke is broken by the anointing of God. I declare right now that faith has been preached. They have heard it and they enter into rest because they grab hold of today is today, the day of their faith, the day of the reckoning, the day of them grabbing onto it. And so, Lord, I just declare that you change everything. You set them free, that today is a day of freedom. Today is a day of rest. Today is a day of victory. Today is a day of overcoming because, Lord, we're going to grab hold of your word. We're going to hang on to it. And, Lord, it brings peace and it brings rest. So, Lord, we praise you for it. We thank you for it, Lord, right now in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. God bless you, church. If you need prayer for anything, we're up here at the front.